Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles, you can take and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And since Darren said to light a scented candle, I'm going to do the same thing. I can do this when no one's here because there's no one here with scent allergies. So, <laughs> awesome. Let's just do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. I like to do things the best way possible. It's just part of my makeup, part of the way that I am. No sense doing something poorly. If something is worth doing, it's worth doing well. That's how I feel pretty much about everything. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever you do, do it well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Do things the best way possible. I like to optimize, strategize, legitimize. Yeah, sometimes it's a little bit of laziness. There is no point in doing unnecessary labor. I try to figure out the best way possible, the most efficient way. When I used to work in a sawmill as a young man, I tried to figure out the best way to run every machine, the stacker, the planer, even stacking strips. I tried to figure out how to do that the most efficient way possible, especially so that you wouldn't catch carpal tunnel syndrome while stacking strips. When I worked at Schmidtke Millwork, I, running the vacuum press, making white vinyl kitchen doors, I managed to optimize the whole production to the point that I was 190% more efficient than the previous guys. Twice as fast. Yeah. I like to do things the best way possible. Elaine and I have this, had this running discussion back when we lived in Osler, just north of Saskatoon. Her family lives in southeastern Manitoba. And so we had to figure out the best way to get there. Now, if you're familiar with it, there's, there's two different ways to get to Manitoba from Saskatoon. You either go and take the Yellowhead all the way east until it drops down to hit the number one at Brandon, Manitoba, or you drive down to Regina, you grab the number one there and go east from there. So we had to figure out which one of those two routes was the best route possible. Now, the Yellowhead route, it's about 50 kilometers shorter, so it's shorter. The number one route, you can drive a little faster because it's a double lane highway. Traffic is sometimes a little better. But if you take the number one through Regina, you have to go through Regina, right? And you know how I feel about Regina. But if you take the Yellowhead, then you might get stopped by the train when the train drops the tracks, and that's often 10 minutes. So figuring out the best route was always a challenge, but figuring out the best way as a family with young kids in a minivan, man, there was only one best way to travel. You leave right about supper time, stop in Saskatoon for dinner, fill them up with food, give them a gravel to knock them out and drive through the night. Ten hours. They're asleep in the back. No one's fighting. Are we there yet? No, Elaine's asleep in the passenger seat and it's just me and my thoughts Traffic is light and it's dark outside and life is a highway. I want to drive it all night long. That's just the best way as far as I'm concerned. And as a young man, it seemed to me there was all sorts of different ways to live this life. As a human, what is the best way to live the life that we have been given, the 60, 70, 80 years, whatever we're given here on earth? What's the best way? I grew up in a small town in northern BC, a very rough town, and I watched so many friends and other young people just shipwreck their lives. Alcohol and drugs, that's just not the best way. It's a prison sentence. 
Make good choices. Learn to be kind to others. Be a friend. Choose forgiveness. Control your temper. I started to figure a lot of this out as a young man. Read books, scriptures from other religions even. And as I experimented, as I looked, as I asked God to show me the best way, it just seemed to me like Christianity. Following Jesus, the Son of God, and obeying his scripture, it just, it was the best way to live this life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know the thing. You know the thing, right? Yeah, the best way. We're starting a new sermon series on marriage. Is there a best way to do marriage? Is there things that we can apply to every single marriage to make it better? Is there something that all of us can learn about marriage? The best way to have a marriage, the way to have the best marriage possible. When it comes to marriage, is there a best way? Is there something that all of us, with the Holy Spirit filling us, could apply to our marriages to make them better? When it comes to one of the most important relationships in our lives, is there a best way? Well, yeah, actually there is. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit himself, says in one letter, hey guys, I'm going to show you the best way. I'm going to show you God's best plan for your relationship, the best way to make it stronger, to make it better, to make it last, the best way possible. Here's what he says. Let me tell you about something that's better than any of them. Let me tell you about something that is better than everything else. The Berean Bible says, I now show you a more surpassing way. In the NIV it says, and yet I will show you a most excellent way. Most excellent. Party on, Bill and Ted. Excellent. Sorry, all my jokes are from the 80s. King James Version, and now I show unto thee the most excellent way. You see, it is really important that we learn this. Because there's one thing that is true of every single marriage out there. And it is that marriage is difficult. Marriage is difficult. At times, really, really difficult. In 1611, back when the King James Version was first published, marriage was difficult for them in those days. In A.D. 60, when the apostles and the disciples were planning churches and preaching about Jesus, marriage was hard for them. Even the best marriages. And sometimes in our marriages, we agonize. We do. And sometimes we find ourselves looking back and wondering if we made the right choice, if we chose the right partner. Sometimes we wonder if we can make this marriage of ours last, if we can live with this person another day or another week. We do. And for those of you who are in the thick of it right now, I want to just take a moment to encourage you. I want a moment to just say to you, well done thus far. Continue to fight for your marriage. It's worth it. I don't understand what's eating away at your marriage. I don't understand all the dynamics that are going on with you and your spouse, but I understand the desire to run. I understand that. And I understand the courage that it takes to stick it out and to work it out. The courage that it takes not to run, 
to have the fights that lead back to trust, to have and to hold from this day forward until death parts us. Marriage is hard. You know, someone once observed that marriage has seasons to it. The book of Ecclesiastes says everything has a season to it. And, and there's the springtime, right? When, when love first blossoms, when you just, that person seems so perfect and you can hardly even wonder why they love you, right? Everything about them, it's like their farts don't even smell. The time you first fell in love, all the firsts, the first time you held hands, the first time you kissed and other firsts. Every Hollywood movie is set in the springtime. Even the ones that take place over winter, they're, they're springtime movies. Every rom-com delights in the newness of spring. All those Hallmark movies that your wife is making you watch on Netflix during this isolation time, they're all springtime. Shut up, you had me at hello, Jerry Maguire. To me, you are perfect, love actually, as you wish, Princess Bride. I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her, Notting Hill. Say hello to my little... No, that's not a marriage one. <laughs> Sorry about that. Springtime. There's love in the air. And then there's summertime. Summertime. I mean, some of you like summertime. Uh, there's the long, hot days that drag on forever. The sun just beats down on you. The beach with the sand getting into crevices you didn't even know you had. Dancing on the burning sand, trying to find a place in the shade. The, the stickiness at night when you push your partner away. Don't touch me. You stay on your side of the bed. The mosquitoes, like summertime. Some of you like summer, but to me, summer is hot and relentless, and it goes on and on and on. The dog days of summer, the dog days of your marriage, kids come along, and there's diapers and bottles and midnight feedings. And, and then they get old enough to go to school. And there's all the schoolwork and homework. And then you start getting involved in all of their activities, the after-school activities, the sports and the clubs. And you become a taxi driver. Life gets so busy during the summertime of your marriage. You're working on your career. You're trying to make enough money to pay for it all. Buying a home, having a mortgage. Sometimes it feels in the middle of of all of this that you and your spouse have simply become co-workers, right? You're just shoulder to shoulder working. Let's just partner up and get through this until the kids are out of the house. You do that stuff, I'll do this stuff. We'll divide up, we'll divide and conquer. We'll work together, we'll get it done. Try and get to the weekend so that we can spend Saturday and Sunday working on house stuff and then Monday comes along and we work on our career again. Monday to Friday, Saturday and Sunday and we just repeat that. Lather, rinse, repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over again until death starts to feel like a welcome release. Summertime. I mean it goes on and on until the kids leave home. For some of us that's 25 years or longer and then sometimes the kids come back home, right? It's like, get out of here. Or some of us are crazy and we have more kids, right? Summertime. 25 years of summertime. And then there's fall. Autumn. My own favorite time of the year. You know, depending on how you invest your time, how you spend your energy in spring or summer, 
There's two ways that your autumn can go. In a marriage, you either start reaping this incredible harvest, this bumper crop. And even though it's a lot of work sometimes, it is still worth it once you see the grain bins starting to fill up in your marriage. You're falling in love. Bad pun. Or you're falling apart. Once upon a time, I was falling in love. Now I'm only falling apart. Don't know what to do. Total eclipse of the heart. Autumn is really great when you're falling in love. You're becoming that old couple in the park holding hands with each other. You know, the ones that all the young people take pictures of. You start moving deeper in a relationship with that other person. That other person becomes your person. And there's a foundation to your life. There's a surety and a sureness because you know that that person is just going to be there. I remember one time my son looked at Elaine and I as we were joking back and forth and he said, you're never going to get divorced, are you guys? And we went, no. And he said, thank you. Thank you. There's no way that I could go back in time and convince 22-year-old Nick how much he would love a 52-year-old Nick would love his Elaine. And just falling in love. You get through the bad times because you have this foundation in your past and you have this hope for your future. And you're just, you're just reaping the harvest in the fall. But for some of us, autumn means the days get a little colder. The wind blows a little stronger. Summer has come to an end, and when things start to get quiet in our marriage, we start to realize that we don't have anything to talk about anymore. We're strangers. That other person has become a stranger to us sometime in the dark days of summer. Once upon a time, I was falling in love, but now I'm only falling apart. I don't know what to do. Total eclipse of the heart. Is your marriage suffering through those dog days of summer and you don't know what to do? Scripture tells us. Let me show you a way that is better than everything else. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 31. So I'm going to show you this morning. The best way, regardless of the season of your marriage, whether you're still in the spring and life is incredible or you're in the summer and it's busy or you're in the fall and you're falling in love or falling apart, I'm going to show you the best way. Even if your marriage is ended and there's just this tiny little hope that one day you might get back together or maybe you failed at a first marriage and that's just over and you're just hoping that maybe there'll be something for you in the future, the next one will be better. I want to share with you the best way way, this better way, regardless of where your marriage is at. And if you put this into practice, if you allow the Holy Spirit's presence in your life to empower you to obey, if you follow this, then your marriage will be better tomorrow than it is today. The best way, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, and going into chapter 13. First, however, let me tell you about something that's better than any of them. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of all the angels, and yet I didn't love others, I would simply be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
Verse 2, if I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had a faith that could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Verse 3, if I gave everything I had away to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice with injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Verse 8, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will all become useless. But love lasts forever. The word of the Lord. Now some of you out there are pretty smart cookies. And you know that this text is not primarily a marriage text. Even though this is very often a passage of scripture that you hear at a wedding ceremony, it's not primarily about marriage, even though it's used in many weddings. You know the background that the Corinthian church has, maybe? It's got all of these problems. It's one of the most problematic churches in the entire New Testament. They have problems with pride. They have problems with the use of spiritual gifts. They have problems getting along with each other. They have problems even having communion together. One guy is still chasing springtime love with another guy's wife. I mean, it's just crazy. This church is messed up messed up. And so Paul outlines and writes this long letter to them and he's outlining the best response to sin and the best way to be a church and and he outlines all of these things and then he says, but now I want to show you the best way of all. The best way to live your lives together. So it's not primarily a marriage text, but it is a relationship text. It's about relating to each other and that's actually really great because even if you're not married, You can still apply this into your life. You can listen to a marriage sermon and even a marriage series, even if you're not married yourself, and you can learn the best way to improve any relationship at all. Your boss, your teacher, that one person at school that you don't miss, uh, uh, your coach, your your brother or your sister who drives you crazy, your annoying co-worker, right? I want you to take a moment right now and just close your eyes and just ask God. Say, Holy Spirit, You're here. In the next little bit, just bring one person to my attention. Just bring them to my mind. God, who do you want me to be thinking about right now? What relationship do I have right now that you want me to improve, that you want me to bring Christ in? What relationship do I have right now where there needs to be more compassion? Love each other. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? But the best way is love. The best life is to love. The best marriage is to love. And can we just look at this passage in our Bibles and can we just take a moment to understand that love is not a feeling, it is a demonstration. Our society thinks love is a feeling. 
is something that we have, an emotion that we have, like indigestion. In fact, we even say that sometimes, right? I have feelings for you. I have feelings for you. But everything in this list is behavioral. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's all action words. It's not boastful or rude or jealous. It's all verbs. Love is not a feeling. The Bible teaches very clearly that love is not a feeling. It is something that you do. And when you think about it, God models that kind of love for us. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What an incredible thing for a perfect, holy, pure, amazing God of the universe to do. He loved you so much that while you were still alienated from him, when you were running away from him before you even knew who he was, he said, I'm going to show you my love in the most profound and deep way possible. I am going to take that which is most pure and precious to me, my son, and I'm going to give him to you. While you were still his enemy, God demonstrated his love for you. And Jesus did the same thing. And Pastor Darren read from John 14 and John 15, and we talked about that a little bit. But in John chapter 13, same evening, Jesus says this. It says in Bible, John 13, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. And so now he showed his disciples the extent of his love. That passage is followed by Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, and a demonstration of love. And then, of course, that passage leads us to the cross, a demonstration of Jesus' love. The cross is the ultimate act of love where the king of the universe, Jesus, gave up everything. He gave up his glory. He gave up his position. He gave up everything in order to demonstrate in a real and practical way what love looks like. He volunteers for your punishment. He takes your sin. He dies your death. And he offers you forgiveness and mercy. Not condemnation and righteous indignation, although he's perfect. He could have done that, but no. He offers you hope and absolution and salvation. He offers you love. Practical and tangible love. Now, maybe you've come to know me a little bit in the last three years that I've been pastoring here. Maybe you know a little bit about me and you're starting to realize one of the things about Pastor Nick is that he has pretty strong feelings about country music, okay? Torturing cats on a hot tin roof in the middle of a thunderstorm, country music, okay? So, so knowing that background and knowing that's how I feel about country music, let me say this. One of the most profound love songs was a country song. One of the most profound love songs that I've ever heard was a country song. Sorry, Elaine, I hope you still love me. I just want to remind you that you promised for better or for worse. So yes, a country song. And I want to read you just the last little bit of it. It goes like this. I remember well the day we wed. I can see that picture in my head. Love isn't just those words we said, it's something that we do. 
There's no request too big or small. We give ourselves, we give our all. Love isn't someplace that we fall. It's something that we do. Clint Black was onto something there because that's exactly what your Bibles say. Love isn't someplace that you fall. It's something that you do. And our text for the next few weeks is so practical. It gives us all these beautiful pictures of what demonstrated love looks like. And I believe that if you take this text and in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you start applying it, you start obeying it, you start doing it, your marriage will be better. And if you're not married, well, that relationship that God nudged you about just a few moments ago, if you start doing love in that relationship, it'll get better. I believe it. God settles it. And then he models it. And then he says that he wants to do it through me, through you. He wants to love other people through you and I. So I always want to apply God's word to my own life first before I apply it to you guys or so before I start to preach it. And so I'm going through 1 Corinthians 13 and I'm kind of looking at this list of all these things that love is and I'm studying each one carefully. And, and I, I'm going through the list and I, I say, okay, well, Lord, I want to change. I want, I want to become better at this myself. So I'm going to read this list, God, and as I get to whatever one you think that I need to work on, if there's something on this list that you want me to work on, just stop me right there, okay? So I start to read the lesson I get to the first one love is patient and God says okay stop no I don't have time for this <laughs> patience oh goodness macrothume a compound word in Greek first word macro means big or large or long second part thume like a thermos hot warm Long to get hot. The old English word, long-suffering. Love is slow to get angry. It takes a long time to lose your temper. Macrothume. Love is long-suffering. Love is patient. As God works his love through you, what that's going to mean in your life is that you're going to find yourself not losing your temper as often as you used to with your spouse. Now, I don't know how well I'm doing that, even in my own marriage. Lately, I feel like I've been growing more easily frustrated. Like That's a Christian word for anger, right? <laughs> frustrated. No, angry. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's this whole COVID situation is starting to get the better of me, or if maybe I'm just 52 and I'm starting to turn into that grumpy old man. You kids, stay off my lawn. I, I don't know, but God drew it to my attention and said, Nick, it's supposed to get shorter. Your fuse is supposed to grow longer, not shorter, as you mature in Christ. So I've committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to work on my patience. And you know what that means. Things have been difficult. He's teaching me patience through trials. And I've committed this week to, to showing patience towards Elaine, my wife, to let God love her through me in that way. So you can all ask her how well I did. I don't know if I did very well. You aren't going to grow impatient. God's Holy Spirit is going to show you ways to become macrothume, patient. 
Well, can I share with you a secret? Having confessed that I'm not very good at this, there is one way in my own marriage. I've been patient for a long time, 29 years. Not perfect. It's gotten the better of me once in a while, but, but I'm still waiting. And you know, I may be waiting until the day I die. Elaine may never change in this one area that I'd really like her to change. And I'm becoming okay with that. I'm becoming more patient. God's doing that. He's showing me that. And just in case you're wondering, she probably has a dozen ways that she's still being patient with me. So patience. Um, I get a little and I get a lot. I give a little and I get a lot. And then the next one is kindness. And we're just, we're just going to focus on those two words, patience and kindness. Super long word in the Greek, Christustatai. It means useful service. I know some of you don't even like me using long words in English, let alone long words in Greek. It's just serving one another in love. That's all it is. Kindness. This isn't an attitude of being nice and sweet and sugary kind. Oh, you birds are... No, it's service. It's doing the hard thing. It's doing acts of kindness. It's doing things for the other person. It's acts of love. It's taking practical steps to make life easier for your spouse. Not being a burden to them. Not coming home and flopping down on the couch and expecting them to serve you hand and foot, but to serve them. To be a help meet suitable for them. Serve Elaine and I live in a two-story home. We lived in a bungalow for like two and a half decades, and we moved into a two-story home two years ago. And we've noticed that the stairs are a real issue. When you live in a bungalow that long, and then you have stairs to your second store, all of a sudden stairs become an issue. And we started to notice that in our house, the stairs accumulate things, right? We want to we be efficient in how many times we go up the stairs in a day. So we'll put things on the stairs so that there's three or four things when we go up, and we can take all of them at once. And I like to put things on those stairs and wait for Elaine to bring them up. And God was kind of saying to me, no, no, you have hands. So she had socks on the stairs the other day, and I I brought them upstairs and threw them in the laundry for her. Just a little thing. Sometimes when she changes the babies, the baby's clothes get get put on the stairs, and so I, I took them upstairs, right? It's just a little thing. But marriages are won or lost in the little things. It's useful service. It's Love demonstrated, it's the best way. And so, patience and kindness. This week I want you to pick one. Just pick one. Let the Holy Spirit lead you to one. I want you to let the Holy Spirit start working in you, to work on you, to lead you in the best way. A practical expression of your love for that other person. Don't tell your spouse which one you've picked. Okay, just, just pick one, let the Holy Spirit work on you to show it, and see if your spouse notices. This week, practice kindness, or this week, practice patience. See if they notice. See if you allow the Holy Spirit to work on you. See if, by the end of the week, your marriage is just a little better then than it is right now. You know, the great statesman Sir Winston Churchill 
was at a banquet one time in London with all of these famous people there, and he was asked the question, if you could be someone else in your life, someone else in life, who would you want to be? Confucius, Aristotle, King Solomon, what great man of history would you like to be? And in front of all the dignitaries and heads of state gathered there, Sir Winston Churchill gave this incredible answer. He said, if I could not be who I am, then I know the person that I would most like to be. Everyone lean forward to hear this man's great wisdom. And he says, I would like to be Lady Churchill's second husband. God is a fan of your marriage. He loves your love for each other. He's given you the very best way possible to nurture your marriage, love He demonstrated that love himself and now he wants to move in you. He wants to make you a better spouse, a better person, a better disciple. Choose patience. Choose kindness. Choose practical love. It's the best way to live this life. It's the best way to build a marriage. In the words of the greatest country song ever written by King George, I think this is how love goes. Check yes or no. You choose. You choose. But it's intentional, isn't it? To stay connected. It's intentional. I love that. I'm, I'm already thinking about my own life because I become complacent. But I need to choose. We all need to. Love, patience, but if you don't choose, if you're simply co-workers, that's exactly what you'll remain, co-workers. You have to choose to stay connected to God, choose to stay plugged into the vine, choose to bear spiritual fruit by being connected to the Holy Spirit. It's a choice. If you don't, the relationship dies. You choose, and I can't do that for you. We can provide you online church services and we can email you prayer requests and we can try, but you choose. We can give you biblical advice on how to take care of your spouse, but you choose. We can't come to your house and improve your marriage for you. That's up to you to invest in your spouse, to love them, to love them the way that Jesus would love them. So as I pray for you and for my own marriage and as we close our service, Don't just turn this off and go eat lunch and consider this another one of the good sermons you've enjoyed. Follow this up. Choose which one you'll do. Patience, kindness, and see it through. Maybe ask your friend, your spouse, whoever you're going to participate in this with, ask them if they're going to pick one too, and then at the end of the week, hold each other accountable. See if you did it. See if you were kind. See if you were patient. Mm -hmm. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that that you chose us, that you chose me. You invested in me. You gave me your Holy Spirit so that we would always remain connected. You chose. It was intentional. There was kindness behind that decision. There was patience behind that decision. 
You constantly choose me, even in my sin, even in my brokenness. Teach me how to love people that way. Teach me how to love people the way that you love me. For that is the greatest love, to love others the way that you have loved us. Teach Nick how to love his wife that way. Teach me how to love my wife that way. Lord Jesus, move our church into a position of love. A position of radical kindness and patience. Intentional decisions. Not fleeting feelings or emotions. Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, strengthen our friendships and strengthen our marriages. Strengthen the relationships that all of us in this church family have. By the power of your Holy Spirit inside of us. And Lord, if COVID keeps us apart as a church family for months and months, regardless of what happens, may we stay connected to you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Would we choose you every single day? Wake up, Lord, and grab our Bibles and choose you. Spend times in prayer and choose you. Intentionally making that decision. Investing in that relationship. Growing closer and deeper. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place. Fill the atmosphere. Be with us, Lord Jesus. Give us your great blessing as we love others the way you love us. We pray this in your name. Amen.